everyone. Welcome to HubShot's episode 300, where we talk about the seven years of HubSpot tips that we have accumulated. We talk about HubSpot email list columns layout, sales pipeline best practices, ticket pipeline best practices, CMS hub content staging, wish list about syncing properties, and a few other extra things. My name is Ian Jacob and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig, on this 300th episode? Well, we made it. Uh, yeah, so I'm very happy to be here and uh, we're going to have a few comments about what it means to each of us. We're not going to bog down this episode self-congratulating ourselves and all that kind of thing, but we'll just make a few passing comments and thank a few people at the top. Then we're going to dive into a whole bunch of HubSpot tips like we normally do. That's right. And so the first one, uh, great thought of the week is the power of time. And so I was reflecting over the last seven years and the power of time and longevity really stood out. And I don't think I could have walked or we could have walked this path individually, right? And I think I'm very grateful to you, Craig, for walking this path with me. And that crazy idea that we had it inbound over probably eight years ago, so here we go. Over time, things have changed and evolved and our businesses have grown. We've changed as individuals. I certainly have more gray hair in my head <laughs> and uh, and hopefully that's translated to a bit of wisdom. Although, Craig, I must say you don't look a day older. So there you go. So here are some of the things that stood out to me. I think from the start, we've had similar values. We hold each other accountable. We respect each other. We help each other in busy and in slow periods. We have meals together. That's one of the ones things I love and that we've cultivated over time. We share openly about things that affect us, good or bad. We always look to do things better together and we push each other to be better in life and in business. So the power of friendship, Craig. Yeah, look, I had a few things I wanted to say, Ian, and uh, I do just ask listeners kind of uh, give me this kind of luxury to say a few things about Ian. I wanted to say that I think it's unusual to have close friendships when you get older. Most of us have friendships from school or uni days or community groups we're involved with. Now, uh, I'm in my 50s now. I met you, I think, in my mid-40s. And then over the last seven years, we've become very close friends. And I think that's a very, that's unusual. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I think it should happen more, but it's unusual. I feel very fortunate to have that. And as all those things that you said, Ian, I definitely feel that. And you you keep this going. I couldn't have done this without you. But there's a few other things I wanted to say. And I didn't put this in the notes before because <laughs> I didn't want you to see them. But I just really wanted to tell you that I've really appreciated how caring you've been for me and how supportive. Uh, I don't really talk about this publicly, some of the uh, like this debilitating disease I've been fighting. And You've stepped into my business and run it when I've been had times when I've been sick, and that's been pretty amazing. And my wife will, you know, talk about just how supportive you've been. I think you did talk about our values, and I think that's been a very key part of it. And I trust you implicitly. I know you trust me as well. This is rare these days to have these kind of friendships, and especially for them to start later in life. So I feel very fortunate to have that. And it's a foundation that we'll grow on over the next, well, the coming decades. And I want to tell you that I've put here, you're part of my six. Do you know what that well, refers to? What is to? that, Craig? Okay. Well, 
it basically, it's not I've got your six, which is kind of an army term for I've got your back. Part of my six, I think about the six people that I would want to hold my coffin uh, at my funeral, not wanting to turn this into a dark <laughs> moment, but these are the life uh, kind of things that, you know, we, these, that you think about, who are your closest friends. And you're one of my six, you're one of the six people that, you know, I trust implicitly and um, would want to be there at that, at that time. And I hope I go long before <laughs> you, Ian. Couldn't bear to lose you. So th- I really want to thank you for that, Ian. And thank I want to say this publicly and uh, it's not often that we get to talk like this and for, for to share with the community. And I feel so fortunate to have you as a friend. I want to say thank you, Ian. Thank you, Craig. I really appreciate those kind words. Now, we want to thank a few other people as well. You know who's been with us from the very start? I know. And that's Chris Mottram from Podcastly, who's been producing our podcast from episode one. And he does a fantastic job. He's always been there for us and has made time for us and gets things done, sometimes quite urgently. So we really appreciate that. And so, Chris, I know you'll be listening to this as you edit the podcast number 300. Thank you so much for uh, your support and uh, fantastic effort over the years. Next, we want to say thank you to our listeners for your feedback. We've had some wonderful feedback from our listeners and subscribers to the show notes, mostly focused around our frequency of recording. And so survey feedback we'd wish to publish more regularly and queries from subscribers of wondering if they've missed things and got the show notes. So thank you for the encouragement. We really do appreciate it. We've got another shout out later in the show we'll get to. And I just want to say to uh, all our listeners, when you say that, send that feedback, it makes our day. Sure it does. It really does. And listeners, believe it or not, we generally message or Craig and me FaceTime each other and we talk about that feedback because it may changes the whole, changes our day. So we are very appreciative of it. And one of the things we did start doing when we started using Service Hub was we decided we'd publish a HubShots NPS or we'd get some NPS feedback. And so I want to say thank you to our listeners over the time who've spent the time listening firstly and then giving us feedback when we've sent it along. So we really appreciate and are thankful for each one of you. And so we shared the NPS score in the show notes and you'd be happy to say we've got uh, an NPS of 86 and so Craig said, tell me who those three detractors or 3% of detractors are. No, I was just kind of joking because, you know, we love your feedback and we're, we can always improve. And so any feedback's welcome. We love it when it's positive. But when it's negative in a constructive way, I think we've had a few people that have just, I, I think they've been spam entries and we're like, well, how can I help it? Some people have come back with negative scores, but given us good feedback for improve. So we do appreciate that as well. All right, on to our marketing feature of the week, Craig. All right. Well, do you want to do a few quick shots? But look, oh, thanks for giving us a few minutes <laughs> to indulge in those things, uh, listeners. But yeah, on to the HubSpot tips and some quick shots. That's right. Of the week. Sorry, I just jumped ahead of the show here. All right, quick shots. So there are lots of beta things, right? And we're not going to talk about them in the show, but you need to be in your portal going to that section and enabling and seeing what's available. There are lots of good public betas at the moment. Encourage you to do that, especially if you're a super admin and you want to roll it out because you can test it for yourself or you can roll it out to the entire portal. The next thing that you've probably seen and you probably should be using is the login to HubSpot with Microsoft. So we've started seeing that rolling out. 
Definitely well worth it. We've been enjoying the logging in with Google for many years, but finally Microsoft has come to the party here. We've got workflow custom views and subfolders. Again, a lot of things are changing inside HubSpot. So don't get left behind. Go and experience it and try it out because you will discover new things as hard as it sometimes is. We've got colored object tag enhancements in deals. And so we tested this in the beta and I love it. And so that's rolled out to everybody now. And finally, chatspot.ai has relaunched and now has a whole team behind it, which I didn't realize. It was kind of like Dharmesh's thing. And I was listening to, uh, I think it was a webinar and they were talking about there's a whole team. It's being integrated into tools. So they were looking for feedback. There were like, I think 200 people on the call. What I liked about it, there was a bit of, context around how it started. So it just kind of started one of those Dharmesh's little projects. And now because of the impetus that it's had, it's now rolling in and they were encouraging people to use it, to give them feedback, to understand how it's interacting with HubSpot. And I think this is going to be the next thing that you don't want to be left behind. You want to be using it and understanding how it works. So if you're listening to this show and you haven't signed up, you need to go sign up. And there's a new website there to the original one, but go and get started with that. I think that's a good reminder. You know, I only played with it when he announced it a couple of months ago. I had a little bit of a play. So I, it's a good reminder to me. I've got to go back in and check what's probably tons of new stuff since I last saw it. You know what I love about it? If you think about chat GPT, you've kind of got a blank slate, right? You you have mm-hmm. to really know. I think one of the big differences in ChatSpot has been the templates. So they've got mm. templates for prospecting. I actually used that uh, the other day and I just thought I'm just going to test it out. There are a few glitches in the system, but what it's enabled you to do is they've created all these templates for marketing, sales, prospecting, researching, reporting. And yet essentially it tells you almost what to write and it tells you, oh, insert the blanks in here. So really guiding you. So I think if you have, if you've been too scared to use ChatGPT, for example, this is a really good start where you can learn more about how to ask the right questions and what does it look like to you. So definitely recommend using it. And you don't have to have it connected to your HubSpot portal if you don't want to. So that's one of the things to be aware of. But if you do, you can query your HubSpot data. That's one of the great benefits of it. And it also has multiple data sources, Craig. So it doesn't pick data from one source predominantly. It queries multiple sources for data when it gives you back the answers. Right. Excellent. Definitely got to get back into that. All right. On to our marketing feature of the week, Craig. I wanted to remind people about the HubSpot email list columns layout. So in the show notes, by the way, hubshots.com slash subscribe, you can get our show notes delivered to your inbox every Friday. And what I've got is a screenshot of the default layout when you look at your email list. And so what you might see is last updated, open rate and close create a day. It's like, it's not particularly useful, but up the top right above that, uh, you can go into manage columns and set more columns. Now, if you're looking at this and going, yeah, of course I knew that. Well, that's great. But check if your team do, because the number of portals we've logged into always say, oh, just share your screen and then they just don't have any other columns and then they can't really sort or look at their emails to get any quick visual indicators. So we kind of say, okay, go down, select the columns. Now here's the ones we select and then you'll see them here. So now you've got really this idea of, oh, how many was it sent to? How many was it delivered to? How many opens? What's the open rate? How many clicks, replies, et cetera. 
And you can much more easily get a sense of how you're comparing emails and things like that. So quick tip there. I really like to do these quick tips that seem kind of basic if you're an advanced user, but for new users, it's often game-changing. Like, oh, wow. And you can actually sort by those columns as well. So again, in the screenshot, we've got an example where, oh, I can see the largest email that's being sent, even though it's years old uh, and things like that. So we also did a quick video on that. You can get that on our HubShots YouTube channel as well. Now, Craig, I'm going to say why I like adding those columns is we often look at percentages like open rates or click rates and so on. And sometimes people forget the number of emails that it's uh, email sends that have happened. And so, you know, they've got this list that they've sent to 10 people and it had a massive open rate and they go, oh yeah, that's the winning email. And then, then you look at how many people actually went to and then it tells a different story. So I think listeners, if you're not having some of these columns in, you're missing some of the background of your data. And I think it's really important. So go make sure you have that there so you can make informed choices and decisions around email marketing. All right. On to our HubSpot sales feature of the week. And this is we're going to talk about sales pipeline best practices. And why are we doing this? Because this is a common question we get asked all the time. Question number one, how many pipelines should I have? And then question number two is generally how many stages in a pipeline should I have? So Craig, tell us. All right, a few things to consider here and just an upfront caveat, your mileage may vary. So don't take this as too prescriptive, take it as thought provoking. The first thing is start with reporting in mind because I'll quickly tell you, if you've got two sales pipelines, it's very hard with the out of the box reports to report across pipelines. Most of the reports just work on a pipeline. So if you've got five different pipelines, it's very hard to say, oh, show me a report across all of them. And so in that regard, we often find people like, oh, do you actually need three pipelines for those three regions or is that just one pipeline? And so that's the first thing. Start with reporting in mind. Now, for some people, reporting isn't a big thing. Oh, no, I just want ease of managing my pipeline. Okay, cool. At least you checked with pipeline. You don't want to come later. And then, so then the question is, how many pipelines? Well, I'd like to suggest, and again, this is just take it or leave it if it works for you. I like to suggest that you should have pipelines that match customer or prospect journeys. So think from the customer's point of view, as opposed to what's our internal sales processes. And what that means is you can kind of then say, well, I need a pipeline that matches this kind of customer journey and I need one that matches that. So let's, let's talk about some good reasons for multiple pipelines. Okay, a long sales cycle versus a short sale cycle, say in a, a product or something like that. That's a good reason to have different pipelines. Another one might be, well, we've got a new customer versus an upsell or a renewal pipeline. Okay, yep, they're two different kind of customer journeys. Great, that makes sense. Another one might be a different channel. Oh, this is a sales rep. You get touched uh, touches from a sales rep or this is e-commerce. Okay, good, good reasons to have different pipelines. And you can move into geographies. You might have, look, this is EMEA, this is North America, et cetera, because you've got whole different sales teams. But what you want to avoid is, well, we've got this one sales team and they kind of like to, uh, they've split it into three pipelines because uh, this sales rep likes having their own pipeline for their sales and then some other rep wants to do that. It's like, well, no, no, you know you can do filtering. That's a training issue. So that's some 
thoughts regarding pipelines. Think about it from the customer's point of view, rather internal processes. That's the first thing. So next, we're going to talk about, well, how many stages should you have in a pipeline? And there's a few things to think. Well, first of all, aim for simplicity. This is kind of a, a default. Uh, and why you think, oh, well, of course you aim for simplicity. No, we often find these incredibly complex, long sales pipelines with 15 stages. And we're like, no, 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 don't need all of that. Avoid stages. Here's what we say, that are just to prompt internal reminders. This is what often happens. They go, oh, we've got an internal stage, or two weeks follow up after that, and then a month later follow up. You don't need pipeline stages for that. Instead, keep them in a, oh, well, they're in a consideration stage, but then use properties or to-dos or tasks or reminders on that stage to follow them up. You can use things like last activity date just to highlight and prioritize those deals. And so instead of focusing on internal processes for your stages, focus on that interactions from the prospect's point of view. Try to match your stages with those. And the other good thing about that is it helps when you're automating communication to the prospect. So when you're trying to automate emails that are followed up or sent out automatically or things like that, it's much easier if you've aligned those pipeline stages with the prospect's point of view. And then the final thing we'll just say is try and avoid multiple closed lost or closed one stages. We've seen this where they'll have multiple closed lost, closed lost, and then it'll be closed lost bad timing. And then another one, closed lost a tire kicker, closed lost add to nurture. And we're like, oh, okay, you don't need separate stages for that. They're all closed lost, but just use a property, a closed lost reason even, or some other action to categorize them. So a few quick tips putting this all together. We do find it's easier to start simpler and add stages rather than trying to add a whole bunch and then cut down later. Having multiple pipelines when you have different processes allows you to track them better and automate things more precisely. So there's that trade-off. Do you have multiple pipelines and then more to manage? And okay, as long as they match the customer journey points, that's fine very much look at properties versus pipeline stages. So you can use the properties on your deals for all kinds of things, filtering, triggering, follow-ups, things like that. And that's why filtering, learning how to use filters on views is so important. Look, ultimately, you're designing this process for your sales reps. You want them to be as efficient and effective as possible. So it's about uh, getting a mix of all the things we've talked about and applying them to your business, your mileage may vary. But based on our experience looking at tons of different portals over the years, these are some of the common elements that we've seen. Do you have anything to add to those, Ian? No, I think you've captured it, Craig. Well, it kind of flows on nicely because then maybe it's not deal pipelines. What about ticket pipelines? So over to you for the ticket side. All right. So let's talk about ticket pipeline best practices, Craig. And here are some of the things that people ask us when they're talking about a very similar issue in terms of the number of stages and how many they should have. So some of the questions we predominantly ask is, is it following a similar process? What are the types of tickets you'll be managing? That's another good good key. How large are your customer service teams? Because this could actually depend, like we spoke about in the sales pipeline, could mean that you need a separate ticket pipeline to manage that. Do you want to report on the pipelines together? So again, the tip here is starting with reporting in mind. 
And if you have answered yes to most of the above, then a single pipeline is better. And then you can work from there. So you may also want to consider adding additional pipelines if you've got different categories of tickets or for tracking special projects. That was one of the things that was highlighted in some of the knowledge-based stuff. How many pipeline statuses should you have? Now, don't get mixed up. It's funny in here. If you go to edit the pipeline, it talks about stages. But when you look at the property, it talks about statuses. So just be aware. Let's refer to them as stages slash statuses in here. One of the things we would suggest, knowing that we've gone from very complicated down to really simple with different people that we've been coaching over time, is start with the default statuses, right? Especially in the ticket pipeline, because don't assume that you know better. And I think you would be best to start here. And I think starting simpler and adding statuses usually works because it's easier to do that than cut stuff down later and then try to consolidate things. In the show notes, you'll see an example of a manufacturing process that was done in a ticket pipeline. Just so you understand, like you'll see a lot more pipeline stages in there. And in this example, there were SMSs and emails that were being triggered to customers in these different pipeline stages. This was a custom build surfboard business. And so they were sending stuff out. So when people ordered them, it was triggering those events along those statuses or stages of the pipeline. So another thing like we discussed in sales pipelines is use properties in those pipelines in the ticket in the ticket pipelines in the stages to capture different information because you want to store that appropriately. So you can use that to store and track information and you can also use it for organizing and filtering tickets and reporting on service and service performance. Now the other thing here is like across everything in HubSpot, there are filters now in all of these things. So being able to filter, create those views is really important. So again, if you can create views in one part of the system, you can do it in another part. And organizing the information in that way will really help people. All right. So pipeline statuses, on the other hand, will represent different stages. A ticket is progressing through in the support process And they're used to track where that ticket is in the pipeline and to trigger action notifications based on status of the tickets. Exactly like I said before, it's really important. Just take a step back, understand where you need to be and where you need to get to, and then start putting in the necessary pieces into place. But start with the default when you get going. All right, on to our HubSpot CMS feature of the week. I'm going to talk about content staging. Now, why do I want to talk about this? Is that lots of customers and we, with portals we go into, Craig, we see people creating new pages or versions of pages and sticking long headlines on there saying, this is version five, do not publish, you know, under any circumstance, or they're cloning pages inside the website and landing pages. But actually content staging is a great place, especially if you've got to go through a process of getting approval or you're redesigning a site and people don't often find it because it's in the more tools button, right? At the top and it's written under content staging. So that's the first place to go find it. Once you get into that area, the editing is very similar. Now there are a few nuances in here and you will probably see that in the show notes is that you 
can see all the unmodified pages. You can see stage draft and stage proof pages. So these are kind of like thinking of where you are in this process of publishing things. When it says unmodified, it'll pick up all of your pages that are on your site. And you can essentially clone that or take a copy of it and then make the stage draft. Or you can create a whole new page from that page that we're aiming to redo. The stage draft and the stage proof is really a place where you can just play around and you can edit things. And the proof is basically you're going to publish this and you can then start sharing that with other members of the team and get feedback on the page. So it has its own URL. So you don't have to think, oh, where am I going to publish this to? I need to put a draft in the URL so that no one can see it. There is essentially a different domain this is getting published on, which is not indexed by Google. And you can share that with teams. So you Often in WordPress, we'll find people that say, oh, I don't want this to go out and you need to show it to me before it uh, goes out. When we send links to people, they've got to have a login to have to WordPress to view the page. And then they have to go through that whole rigmarole. Whereas in HubSpot, you can just say, oh, here's the link. Have a, have a look and let us know if it's okay or if it's not. So there are lots of great reasons as to why you should be doing this. And then you can also then... Once you've done that, you can actually publish it. It'll check your URLs. It'll tell you if there's any inconsistencies or things that are going to get overwritten. It'll manage all of that. And then you can bulk publish everything and you can have a log. So I think it's one of those really underutilized, but one of those fantastic tools. It's kind of like the hidden gem inside CMS Hub, I think. I totally agree. And I know we've been saying this a lot lately, but the HubSpot CMS Hub is underrated. It's underappreciated. People don't realize how powerful and just how mature it is. And this content staging, it's been there for years. It's really good. It works well. And when we show people, it's like, oh, wow, I didn't know HubSpot had, had this. And like, oh, how do we do this on WordPress? And to your point, yeah, you got to log in or then you got to have a plugin to make previews available without login. And oh, and then I've got to add this plugin, all this kind of stuff. It's like, it's just all built in from the foundation up. So yet another feature in HubSpot CMS. I just think this, like this year, we're focusing a lot on the CMS Hub features. It's underappreciated. And yeah, here's a good example. That's right. And listeners, also remember that inside CMS Hub, like if you're, if you're using WordPress, for example, one of the things is you could be having multiple themes in there and you could create whole sites of different themes without upsetting anything that's uh, currently live. So just be aware of that. It's so good. I love that. You can you can have one page using this theme and another page using that theme and it doesn't break. Yeah, it's really good. All right, Craig, on to our HubSpot feature wishlist item of the week. Here's a wishlist item. I'll, I'll just run the scenario. I'm calling it syncing properties. You know how the lifecycle stage, a yes. contact has a lifecycle stage, a company does. Yep. And HubSpot has this nice option in settings where you can sync between companies and contacts. I really like that. I'd love to have that feature for other properties. I'll give you one example. Yep. We have a property on a contact called Preferred Meeting Tool. Yep. Google Meet, Zooms, or Microsoft Teams. And like, what do you prefer? We just store that against the contact. And that's nice because then when they go to the meeting tool to book a meeting, it's like, oh, well, we've pre-filled this for you, right? Now, we also have it at the company level where we've got some companies, oh, yeah, they're using uh, Microsoft 365, right? So the company uses Microsoft Teams. So therefore, just think, sync that down to all the contacts to use Teams. Yep. So we've got this same property at the contact level and the company level. 
I just want a way in HubSpot that says, oh, they're syncing. And it's pretty simple. I just want that, but a few rules that basically say, oh, but if it's not empty at the destination, don't overwrite it, or no, it's okay to overwrite it. So simple syncing. Anyway, I don't see that anywhere. I looked for it. I don't couldn't find a community thread on it. Anyway, is that is that a good idea or is that just something I actually really that, like that idea. It's kind of like an edge case that no one would use. I could see lots of cases where this is between contact and company. Absolutely. Fields. And you know the other thing, I wouldn't mind copying some things up to deals at times or even over um, to tickets and backwards yes. and forwards. It's this idea of a syncing property. I don't know how you'd set it up, but I'm pretty sure once you create the property in in HubSpot, you just go, oh, and this is synced and you just tell it the other property. Okay. The, the two properties that have to match – or maybe it's even good. It's even better. It creates the syncing property for you at the other object level. Yes. Anyway, I'll I'll just put that out there. Send me an email. Reply to the show notes, folks, and tell me if you like the idea. Well, I do like the idea because I think I was something else I was trying to do similar to that, where I thought it would be a really good thing to have because it existed on both the company and mm. the contact, but also the deal. And I think that was the deal. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, why am I rewriting this property over again in different I know, objects? You've got to set up workflow. I mean, you, to, to be fair, you can do it pretty easily with workflows. So I just created it. But it's like, really? Why do I have to create two separate workflows for this? One to copy up and one down. Anyway. That's okay. It's a, it's a first world HubSpot problem we're having right now. <laughs> yeah, that's not problems. That's right. All right. You got some listener feedback of the week, Craig. Uh, we, we alluded to this earlier. This is the kind of stuff we love. Uh, we don't read it all out, but the, the kind of stuff we Oh, really? We get I, thought from, you, I, th- I think you should, Craig. Oh, there you go. You can do it. Oh, so this- they gave us a 10 and we said, why Why just score so highly? And what did she say? This so, is Stephanie. I don't think we've got permission to use her full name. So, it's so Stephanie. Thank you, Stephanie. You know. you know who you are. She goes, I've already done it. I listened to my first episode of my way to work one day and was so excited by some of the points I made. I voice messaged my colleagues immediately I have now heard many more and shared the podcast page link with my colleagues and have the fra- have your framework up on the wall behind at the office. The way that HubShots takes an overwhelming amount of knowledge and actions and actions that are possible and breaks them down into steps on a clear pathway is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Stephanie, for taking the time to write that. I'd love if people sent, sent us pictures of uh, the framework on their wall. That would be fantastic. So here's the key takeaway that Craig put. Be proactive in giving feedback to your colleagues, suppliers, clients, family, because it does make a difference. And Craig, I'd have to say that is absolutely the case. And I it think it makes such a difference. I don't think listeners realize they're like, oh, you've got so many listeners and all over the world, you know, and you've got all these subscribers. It's like, well, yeah, but only one or two a month actually reply and say something to it. So don't assume that we're bombarded with uh, feedback all the time. <laughs> Be surprised. All right. Uh, AI prompt of the week, Craig. Just thought I'd share this, some mid-journey prompts. I thought I'd share one. This one's actually from a couple of months ago, and the prompt was uh, the most stereotypical person in Australia. There was this whole, uh, it was a couple of months ago, a stereotypical person in each country. Anyway, that's what mid-journey gave us. Lots of orange in the pictures. Hot I know, spot orange there by That's a bonus, but yeah. We've put a bunch on our uh, Zen Create mid-journey page, by the way, just sharing some of our favourites. So what is interesting, out. there is that one picture on the le- bottom left-hand side mm. that I can't recognise the background. I don't know where that is, but there's British flags flying there. Yeah, 
That's Mid Journey's attempt at Australia. Yeah, so lots of orange. I think they think everyone in um, Australia has uh, is ginger. They've been or has a ginger beard by the look of it. It's weird. They've and been, holds a kangaroo. That's right. Holding the a kangaroo. Harbour Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if only kangaroos would stay that quiet. All right, what's our thought of the week, Craig? Yeah, final. I know we've had a longer show this week, but yeah, just so many good things. And by the way, we had to cut out so much, didn't we? And we've got, as usual, tons more. But here's a question that's come up. We'll sometimes get this from clients. It's like, oh, what's the best tool or what's the best product that we should use for? And, you know, they insert their marketing activity or sales activity they want. Now, sometimes they are genuinely interested in best practices, but what I've found that most of the time is they're just frustrated with their current tool and they're looking for an escape. And so then we try to diagnose the real problem. And usually it's lack of training. Quite often when they're unhappy or frustrated with HubSpot, for example, it's because they've inherited it from someone that's no longer in the company. They weren't given a handover, it was just lumped in them. You're looking after HubSpot now. Then they kind of contact us and they're like, oh, you know, what should I do? Should I get another product? I don't think this works. We're like, oh, okay, so what are you trying to do? And so I thought this was interesting that there's some common misconceptions that we hear from people. And probably the one I hear the most is, oh, look, HubSpot can't create beautiful emails. Mm -hmm. Do you get this, Ian? Yeah. Yeah. And we're like, oh, okay, just show me what you mean by that. And they fire up the email editor and uh, they try and use a, you know, simple out-of-the-box template and it's, you know, pretty limited. Or, it's, or what will we say? It's got safeguards, guides here, right? And so they're like, ah, oh, this can't do it. We're looking for another product. Okay, no, that's actually just a lack of training. And then we show them some of the emails you can build. And then we show them some of the emails that big brands are using with HubSpot, you know, beautiful furniture companies or beautiful jewelry companies and yes. the stuff that they're producing. Like, oh, right. Uh, you just weren't getting trained. Okay. And so I won't labor the point too much, but the some of the other misconceptions we see, the can't be- build beautiful websites. I oh, can't do that in HubSpot. We go, oh, okay, let me show you some. Oh, you can't track Google Analytics. Had this the other day. Oh, we need to we need to in- integrate Google Analytics. And our agency said you can't do that in HubSpot. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Here's another one. Oh, HubSpot c- can't manage social media. And also, oh, you can't track ads in HubSpot. I'm like, what? You know, it's right there in the menu. Uh, maybe not social media unless you've got pro, but they often do. And then, oh, we can't track our campaigns. Oh, here's another one. Oh, look, we've had to use another tool for, you know, putting meeting embeds on our site. So why aren't you using the HubSpot meeting tool? They haven't heard of it. Yeah. Anyway, it goes on and on. So why am I saying this? Because what is the best tool to use? Well, the best tool to use is the one you know how to use well. That's the point. And so it doesn't matter which tool you use. If you don't know how to use it, you're not going to get very good results. Correct. And so ultimately, where am I going with this? Well, I think it's about training. It's not about the platform. I mean, most of the platforms on the market are pretty good. Even HubSpot competitors, they're pretty good if you know how to use them well. And if you know how to use them really well and you don't know how to use HubSpot, they're probably going to be much better than HubSpot, frankly. The reverse is also the same. So invest in some training. And maybe if you're listening to this podcast, you do have that mindset, you're going to get better at HubSpot. But also make sure you do that with your team because we see this creep up in teams and then someone at the top then gets just all this feedback on, oh, no, I can't do this, can't do that. They go out to market, look for another tool, and what do you know, three months later they're in the same position because they don't know how to use the new tool. There you go. I'll get off my little soapbox, but it's just a reminder, especially in these economic times, invest in a little bit of training 
on the tools you already have with your team and it's not out of the question you'll double the amount of productivity and output you get out of the platforms. Another thing I'd just like to say, Craig, is that if you're working in a big organization and you probably have access to HubSpot, right, or you've been you've taken it over, they've probably got tight rules around permissions and what you can and can't see. Oh, that's and a great so, well, we have a coaching client. So this is where I'm talking about it from, is that they think that the tool can't do it or doesn't have it because they can't see it. But they don't ask the question of do we have it or can this be done? And so I think you've got to think about it in that perspective of, oh, what is this capable of doing? And is it just that I don't have access to it and I need to get access? So I would ask that question specifically just to understand what you have and what you have access to and what you can and can't use. Because I think you'll find in the big picture, you probably have ac- you probably have the tool, but you don't have access to it. That's such a good point, Ian. Yes. Well said. All right. Since it was number 300, I thought we would have a quote from one of our illustrious um, founders of HubSpot. And Brian Halligan says, you can't outspend the giants, but you can outthink out-teach and out-help them. That's something for us all to think about in your businesses. You might not be able to outspend people, but can you out-think and can you out-teach and out-help them to get ahead of the competition? All right, training, Craig, is the 11 things you're probably not using in HubSpot. Still valid. It's a masterclass that we did towards the end of last year and still very relevant. So I encourage you to go and watch that on YouTube. And if you haven't already, you want to download the HubShots framework poster, complete it, stick it on the wall, get an idea of where you are at now and where you want to get to and use that with your teams, with your business, use it with the sales team, the marketing team, because what you'll end up doing is you'll end up understanding where you're at and the potential that you can achieve using the framework and the potential you can achieve using HubSpot. Well, listeners, thank you again. Like we said before, please connect with me on LinkedIn. That's the first thing. Then make sure you subscribe to the show notes because you get the full show notes in your email inbox from Craig. And if you want to connect with him, you can reply to that email and he will reply back to you. Again, thank you for all of those, everyone who's left reviews on Apple Podcasts. We really do appreciate it. And also have a look at YouTube because we do have a specific content that just goes to YouTube. Well, Craig, until next time. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and marketing resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.